I'm with David Younghands, who is the Managing Director of Tablehurst Farm, which is a community-owned farm in Forest Row, East Sussex. And David, I'd like to start off by asking you, uh, if you don't mind me saying you're you're a young man, how did you come to be the Managing Director and the farmer at Tablehurst Farm? (laughs) Yeah, you could say quite a short story, really. I came to Emerson College to study biodynamic farm management, which was a three-year course um, about 10 years ago. And in the mornings, we spend our time in the classroom. Afternoon was work on Tablehurst or any other farm. Tablehurst was nearby. And so I started working there as a student. And once I've completed my training, they needed help. So I stayed on as a farm worker. And then one of the farm managers left the farm and uh, they needed another manager. So I kind of stepped in. And then Peter Brown went in sabbatical and it, uh, they needed a managing director. And so I was uh, managing director for the time Peter was away. And then Peter never came back in, in that uh, role. And so I stayed managing director. So <laughs> This was when Peter took on the directorship of the Biodynamic That's Association. Right. That's yes. right, yeah. How do you think that experience compares with, say, being a tenant farmer on a conventional farm? Well, I've never been a tenant farmer on a conventional farm, so I can really, my main experience really is only on Tablehurst Farm and a couple of other farms where I've spent some time as a student. So it's hard for me to answer that question, to be honest. But you have some idea of the differences between a community-owned farm and a farm like, say, Simon Waters next door here, which um, runs with one or two people. Yeah, I mean... um, You've got more than 20. That's uh, not necessarily because we're a community farm, but because we are a biodynamic farm. Biodynamic farms are usually much more diverse and many more people are needed. And um, there's a huge interest from young people who come as woofers or as apprentices or as students. And a woofer is, could you just explain that term? Um, So that's a program where farms can sign up and young people who want to have some farm experience, who want to travel and see different cultures, different countries and different farms can just spend an amount of time there, a few weeks, a few months sometimes. Yeah, that's woofing. So you've been here for how long on the farm? Gosh, over 10 years now. And what changes have you seen in that time? When I came, the farm was in early stages. It's just been running for about 10 years in that setup and was a family-like pioneering feeling. So the farm was run by one main farmer and loads of apprentices and students and volunteers and so on. And since then, there was a need for another farm manager and another farm manager and a shop manager, etc., etc. And so we started to see the need to become a bit more professional and organized and differentiated, really. And so that's uh, really what has changed. The spirit hasn't changed at all. It's still over 20 people. I think sometimes over 30 people now. Families are starting to establish. It's actually becoming more and more vibrant. We haven't lost the spirit, but we're trying at least to become a bit more professional. The land and the buildings are owned by St. Anthony's Trust. Mm -hmm. Um, The farm business as such is owned by the Tablehurst and Plore Hatch Community Farm Mm Co-op. But both Tablehurst and Plore Hatch have their own 
board of directors and management teams. Mm. A fairly complicated ownership structure. How is it for you working within such a structure? Well, as you say, it is complicated because uh, at the moment we are not all sitting around the same table at the same time. So there might be meetings with the trust, there might be meetings with the corp committee. So um, I think communication can be an issue. But the way it's grown historically, it makes very much sense that it is as it is. Mm. Because the I think one of the biggest challenges today is the land ownership issue and access to the land for farmers, especially young farmers. And as you know, Emerson College couldn't hold the land or keep it safe. So it's been transferred to a local trust and they've been uh, looking after it ever since and will do so in the future, I assume. It gives you a lot of security and I experience our relationship, our working relationship with the trust is very, very good. And the trust's uh, purpose or aims is really to um, keep that land as safe as possible for a sustainable farming method and for training uh, for the long-term future. And is this something that you would see as a model that could work elsewhere or is it unique to our situation here in Forest Row? I could see it as a model that could work elsewhere. I think um, if you think of the local communities, um, their relationship is to a farm. That's why CSAs work often so well. And uh, already the relationship of the community to a corp, to an IPS or to a corp committee, as you know, is a bit more tricky. It's not as exciting, not as colorful. It's a legal entity that allows us to do what we do. But the real relationship is with the farms. I think it makes sense to have um, a group in whatever way that looks after land in community ownership. And then the community relates to different farm businesses that can to uh, farm businesses um, making use of the land. So it does make sense to have that separation. I can see that working uh, in many places. And Tablehurst has the land and buildings that St Anthony's Trust owns, but you also are renting land from other local landowners. Mm-hmm. How does that work out? It's very difficult. I mean, um, we are still uh, very privileged to have uh, a couple of quite good landlords who understand our ethos and try to support us as much as possible and not trying to maximize their profit. But as soon as you start renting land from landlords who do not understand our ethos and do not have a relationship to what we do, they will try to maximize their profit and then it becomes very, very difficult to farm the land in a sustainable way because then we do have to look after our profit and at the moment, of course, have to look after our profit Um, but there are certain compromises that we don't want to do and so maximizing profit isn't the first thought that comes to mind when we make decisions. What are the compromises that you aren't prepared to make? The needs of uh, nature, the needs of the animals that we work with are real needs. And if you want to run a farm, um, an organism in a sustainable way, then we have to look at that first. Also, the needs of the people that work there. And so, of course, that, you know, is in conflict sometimes with uh, uh, maximizing profit. So um, we try to, you know, get by and make enough surplus to uh, improve and reinvest. 
but we still want to meet uh, all the needs from nature, animals and um, staff as far as we can. So you're working with a strong ethical uh, attitude that the, the land should be farmed in a certain way so as not to overstress the land, so as not to push the animals beyond the limits that, that are natural for them. I mention that again and again, the word is agriculture and not agribusiness. Yes. And the cultural aspect in farming is very important to us. And I always compare it to education. If you want to educate in a good way, then you look at the quality aspect and not at efficiency or maximizing profit. The same with farming. You cultivate nature in the same way as you cultivate a child or help it uh, to cultivate. Yes, absolutely. So is it something about the way the land is farmed that appeals to the local people that makes them feel this is something they wish to support? On the other hand, would it be possible to have a community-owned farm that was run in what we call conventional agricultural terms? I don't think that the certification makes a difference. It's the intention of the people doing what they're doing that makes a difference whether that is certified by dynamic organic or not certified at all, is not the primary issue or the first issue. Of course, uh, when we talk about different farming methods, um, I would be an advocate for biodynamic farming. But when we think of community farms, as I said, it's really the intention behind it. And I think you have to separate or distinguish between producing the highest quality or to have an industrial type of farming and maximize output, really. Um, I've seen very small-scale, non-certified farms in, in southern Germany, which have grown traditionally, and um, they do things with a real passion and with real love and have very, very good produce. I would advise them not to use any pesticides or fertilizers and do differently, but I think their intention leads to a very, very good product, and that's what biodynamic farming is all about. Um, to achieve the highest quality, the highest vitality in food. But again, um, with the right intention, you can come quite far with all kinds of methods. So uh, I don't think um, uh, community farming works in an industrial setup because people are too expensive to be included in that. But it works in many other setups. I don't think it has to be restricted to biodynamic farming. Does it matter if the farm doesn't own all the land it farms? I like the concept that uh, land is in community ownership or in some sort of ownership where it can't be used for anything else, so it's safe for the future. And I think it's probably safer in a charity like St. Antony's Trust than it would be if it would be on our balance sheet and the farm and the community would own it um, because we would start borrowing against the land, obviously, because that's what the farm has to do. Mm. If you want to build a new barn, you're unlikely to have the cash readily available to do that. And in the past, the trust has borrowed against the land. And we're very grateful because we could really make big steps in improving the place. And that has changed now, which is a good thing. And it brings new challenges that we are trying to meet at the moment. How do we have access to affordable capital in order to make necessary investments? Mm -hmm. And I think that process in itself is enriching yeah, it's a good process. Um, so I don't think the farms necessarily have to own the land.
What would you say to a young person who wants to set up their own market garden or their own farm today when land is so expensive, when it's treated as a commodity? Mm. What would be your advice to such a young person? Try to uh, develop relationships with uh, local farms that, that are there already and see if they can somehow cooperate. For example, we have the problem uh, that demand is uh, increasing steadily, but we cannot um, just increase production all the time within the boundaries we have set ourselves. At the moment, we are in a relationship with a landlord nearby um, who wants to remain the farmer but needs help and we need sheep. <laughs> we don't have enough land and so we start working together and I see that as something that we help him to get the business running and at some point there will be a young farmer that can take that over as an employee and then we have still the benefit of a local producer that produces exactly what we would produce. So it's a win-win situation? I think it's a win-win situation, yeah. Going beyond the land, what are the particular challenges that face farmers on community-owned farms today? Well, it is this uh, ownership of the land issue. Yes. I think that is a, a massive issue. Yes. I think the whole concept of community farming in different ways, CSAs and so on, is becoming more and more popular because they create access to the land and to farming for their local communities. And the local communities, uh, you know, there's always in the beginning people who are interested in food they can trust, in having a relationship to how it's been grown, in, to, to the animals on the farm, to the farm itself. But then you get more and more people coming because it's, um, you know, another destination for weekend. So in our case, at least, um, because we are so close to Brighton, to London, uh, to the A22 here, and so on, and we get a lot of traffic, we pick up a lot of traffic on the weekends. Um, yeah, there are more and more people coming actually wondering where's the Bouncing Castle and, um, you know, and the Petit Zoo and, and so on. So for us, that's a challenge. I don't know if for others that is a challenge. As a farm which seeks to be an open farm, mm -hmm. you get a lot of visitors mm -hmm. seven days a week? Six, well, seven days, yeah, we're not open seven days a week, we're open six days a week, but we do get visitors seven days a week, yeah. What is that like for people like yourself who live on the farm? Well, I think we need to open seven days a week and then we always have staff uh, on site who are, you know, responsible at that moment. And uh, that means that the people who do actually have a day off can um, have a day off, uh, which is not the case at the moment. You do have to, you know, kind of be on the lookout and um, make sure that people don't jump into pens with the animals and all these uh, things that happen, quite interesting um, things. There's also an issue with, with some irresponsible dog owners, I understand. Yeah, that's a particularly an issue here, but I think in the UK generally, um, with footpaths and the love for dogs in other countries, that is not such a problem, I think. But yeah, here we do have a problem. Yes, and that's with uh, dogs worrying sheep. Yeah. Have you thought at all about becoming more of a destination, of becoming an actual tourist attraction? Yes, not with entertainment, but with education in mind. So it's important for you that the farm remains a proper working farm? Absolutely, yeah. 
but that you are open for people to come and find out more about what it entails yeah to be a absolutely because, i mean nowadays there are farm shops everywhere you drive down the a22 here and you have four or five farm shops on six miles or so and then you go in there and you actually realize that it's not a farm shop it's a shop that sells some produce from small producers but you know it's not a farm that produces for their own shop i think at the moment we produce more than 50 percent of what we retail through our shop we produce on the farm and be trying to increase that uh, all the time. I imagine that, you know, farm staff who are trying to get on with their work mm. might sometimes find it difficult to also pay attention to visitors and their inquiries. Yeah, that's just, uh, it's a question of scale and how you prepare yourself for that. I think you can be a destination, you can be open for visitors, you can have a cafe, uh, all kinds of things. You can create nice walks over the farm and still stay true to being uh, an, an honest, uh, biodynamic working farm. I don't see a contradiction there. I think actually it's um, it's uh, enriching for the people who come because they see something real. Whereas there are lots of farms that turned into destination without doing serious farming anymore and their farm shops are stocked with all kinds of produce but they're definitely not being produced on that farm. And people don't get a feel for what farming is, really, when they go to these farms. Mm. It's, it's a completely different concept. And I can understand that people do it. You own the land. It's very hard to make a living with farming. So people start renting out units for you know businesses. They start campsites, and they, they become dis- destinations if they're in the right location. So it's all quite understandable, but it doesn't help people understand more about farming and about food production. And I think that's what we, we are really about. And that's absolutely necessary nowadays. And uh, it's great. The um, celebrity chefs have done great work to kind of make people more aware of the importance of good food and good quality and how they can assess it and uh, how important that is for their health. But then people need access to farms to actually experience that. And uh, there are not so many places um, where they can go. Over the years that you've been on the farm, have you noticed any changes in the attitude of visitors to the farm, customers to the shop? Are they becoming more conscious of some of the issues that you mentioned the celebrity chefs have been raising? Yeah, some people. And then there's a lot of people become very conscious because of their own health problems and issues and people change their diets and um, they expect you to cater for all kinds of different diets and you know everything needs to be gluten-free and and so on so we actually do a lot of work uh, um, but it starts always with the people themselves when they have experienced health issues I think that is where their awareness really starts I'm not working in a shop I'm not meeting customers so much um, you know, more meeting people coming from different colleges, for example, students, agricultural students, and so on. There, the awareness is definitely changing drastically. And you can see the uh, organic market, the increase, even during the, the financial crisis, and so on. There's an ever-increasing demand for organic produce. And I think it is really the future. The challenge will be that it doesn't become an industrialized uh, organic farming system doing the same like that conventional farms have been doing on a large scale with without any people actually on the farm other than a few machinery drivers operators 
but with an organic label on it because that's what I tried to say in the beginning it's the intention of what you want to do and the scale that makes the real difference and if you um, ask how people experience the farm when they come to the farm and what is the, the spirit of a community farm it is that there are a lot of people working with passion trying to do you know the best for the land and trying to produce really really good food and they experience that and you could have in theory a 10,000 acre biodynamic farm with a few operators it is in theory possible it also wouldn't have the same spirit so it's really the scale yes. um, and the intention of the farmers that matters. So 